the money that was lost with primary crypto and these ICOs, yeah. it's, it's lost. You know, I have about maybe four Bitcoin left. Nobody has uh, had uh, a small enough block of 55,000 uh, shares. I did send you an email replying to your, uh, to your uh, email from before, yes, actually. I have been out of the office for a week. I've been traveling, so can you actually tell me what is going on, sir? When, uh, the Tencent Music IPO right now is going to happen at the end of the month. They actually pick uh, a real company usually and they will research this quite extensively and they, they get a lot of information from, uh, from industry sources. We all released what we were supposed to release, almost amounting to $27.7 in, in just in one hour. Now, I can, of course, um, get everything, uh, the wheels in motion, uh, so to speak, with regards to uh, the completion of this deal. Um, but I, I am going to need a, a firm commitment from your side um, that, of course, you're, you're not going to back out. You've just been listening to some real scammers trying to con people into fictitious investments. And it's a multi-billion dollar global underworld enterprise driven by criminal gangs. Welcome to this IFW Global podcast episode that's going to focus on exposing the voices behind those scams. These are recordings that have never been heard in public before, and IFW is releasing them to raise awareness about the scammers' techniques and methods. Now, there's every chance you might get a call or fall for one of their sophisticated websites that offer those fake investments. We're going to listen to these recordings and forensically examine what they do. They're skilled, highly skilled. And if you think you're smarter than the scammer, well, then think again. As you're about to hear, Brett is a smart and very successful businessman. But he was outwitted to the tune of nearly $10 million. I was 43. Um, and um, I have five children, um, happily married. I've got, my oldest is 23. I've got no, another girl who's 15, one's 14, a boy's 11 or 9. And um, you know, I had a very good education. I went to a private school in Sydney. Um, my mother was a music teacher at one of those schools, and my father was a commercial builder. Mm-hmm. And um, a fair bit of success in different companies I've been involved with. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, look, I mean, it's the first real thing that's really ever happened to me that, you know, knocked my socks off. Brett isn't his real name. We're concealing some of the details for operational reasons. So we know that he's a hardworking family man living in a stable environment, surrounded by the love of his family. But when his father passed away, Brett was in a lot of pain. He wasn't exactly thinking straight prime target for the scammers. I, I was just looking on the net, you know, for some some opportunities and I came across um, MBR trading. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, from there I um, started speaking with a guy called Jonathan Side. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently that was his name, who's a very well-spoken English man who I imagine would be, would be in his, you know, middle 50s. Now, the voice on the phone would have sounded something like this. This is a real scammer targeting another victim. We are quite fortunate, um, as I mentioned to you yesterday, because of this particular uh, buyer's situation in regards to his current holdings. As I said, um, his current position um, is one 
1.9 million and 45,000 shares. And so he needs to bring his yes, he, he needs to bring his position as 2 million. Um, so therefore, he is looking for uh, a smaller investor. He's potentially reading from a script and certainly sounding like he's legitimate. That's a scammer calling himself Michael. Now, he's on the phone in his hideout in the Philippines. He's a very smooth talker, well-drilled. And when they have targets like Brett on the hook, they step up their operations. They bring out the recovery team and, um, yeah, and look, you know, nearly every one of those voices definitely sounded British to me, you know. You went online, you found that they had a website, and I take it that the website looked sophisticated and real and so on? Just, you know, got all the papers back, got all their, you know, company records, registration, um, and... Uh, you know, thought in my mind I'd done the due diligence, but uh, I was very wrong. I started doing these trades with Jonathan and Harry from MBR Trading. Then um, it was sort of, I don't know, maybe six months later that I got a call from a guy called Mark Essex from Twin Rivers Capital. Okay. Um, and uh, he was just hassling me every day for about a month there to buy these Alibaba shares. Mm. The guy, the guy was annoying me, annoying me, annoying me. I just, you know, I just hung up on the guy so many times. Eventually, I went, mate, look, I'll, you know, I'll do it, you know. I'll buy, I'll buy 50 grand's worth of shares in Alibaba. The scammers went into overdrive. By this stage, Brett was transferring hundreds of thousands of dollars to the scammers, thinking he was sending money to a real investment firm that was buying shares on his behalf. The criminals had got their claws into a big fish, and they are about to cash in even further. Harry from MBR Trading had apparently, and this is what you know we're trying to find out, mm. uh, had moved to Ireland to be with a new company called FI Institutional Funds. Right. Um, FI Institutional and, Funds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was, well, you can call them FI Investments, or mm-hmm. but uh, FI, yeah, FI Institutional Funds, and uh, he. Um, yeah, he was just like, oh, you know, I moved over. I had a, you know, running with Jonathan and, you know, I just wanted to get up more up the ladder. And so, you know, I've got a new job in this, you know, amazing company. And, um, yeah, wait, come on, sorry, you know. And, and so, like, you know, I didn't think of anything at the time. Um, I was sort of, sort of still doing little deals with Jonathan. We had a little portfolio going there. And um, and so, yeah, I started giving, you know, I started giving some money to Harry to, to invest in some stuff. And I really, and by this point, Harry had become, you know, a pretty good friend of mine, you know. Had you ever um, met him face to face? Can I ask? Had you ever? No, did you ever I, shake hands with I the guy? I, I'd never met any of these guys. Well, okay. Which was to my detriment. Yeah. We'll delve further into Brett's story in just a moment when he'll talk about the day he realised he'd been conned, the financial impact, and the toll the whole experience took on himself and his family. But let's listen to another scammer in action on the phone to another target before we analyse his tactics with IFW Executive Chairman Ken Gamble, who's been busting these criminals for several years. Since the music IPO right now, it's going to happen at the end of the month. Today, we actually just learned uh, with that filing that Sony and Warner Music both put $200 million in. Well, the allocation that we submitted, uh, we submitted for about 2.5 million shares some investors come on at 5,000, 10,000, wherever you're comfortable. The percentages always are the same. Yeah. yeah, okay. So what I would ask you at this point is when you look at the registration of shares, 
would you want to register them as an individual or as a company? We do not share any of your information with any other third party, just so you know. It would make more sense to set it up with your seat graduation or do your company, um, and it's an easy switch as well. The most important thing is when I give you the heads up to liquidate and sell. There was one particular audio clip. There's a, a gentleman on there, or I couldn't call him a gentleman, a scammer on there who, uh, of a, a, with an American voice, uh, the conversation goes on. It sounds like he's talking to an Australian guy. Uh, he's just talking about a, a not a high investment. It starts off at about twenty thousand dollars. Is that generally where they'll start? Do they start a smaller? Do they, do oh, they really smaller? Yeah, do they? Oh yeah, no, no. That the twenty thousand is quite high. They usually start with the five thousand investment. Okay, yeah, um, five to ten thousand, uh, and uh, if they get someone on the hook for five thousand, and all of a sudden those shares go up. Um, see, they, they haven't really bought the shares. They believe they bought the shares. They get a trade confirmation that indicates they bought the shares and the company says, we're now holding these shares on your behalf. But, of course, they never see the shares because the shares actually don't exist. The company hasn't bought the shares. Mm. Um, the trade confirmation confirming the purchase of the shares is, is a fake document. It's a, it's a fictitious uh, forgery that the, that the fraudsters create uh, with their very clever graphic designers. Mm. There's a real broad section uh, of the scammers on the phone. I, I, there was one audio clip I listened to sounded like a woman uh, of, of Asian descent, obviously the American uh, that I've mentioned mm. there. I think there was a, a South African. Uh, does that mean that they're, they're based in various uh, countries around the world plying this terrible trade? No, no, mm. no. The, the, these foreigners, These foreigners come from all over the world to work in Southeast Asia uh, they are uh, from from anywhere, any English-speaking country. We've we've seen recently uh, women from uh, England, uh, from from uh, from the Netherlands, um, Israel, uh, even Americans. Uh, there's more and more women that are getting into the business, which is unusual because it was traditionally a male-dominated industry uh, previously. But we are seeing now uh, a small amount of women that are coming on board because it gives the credibility. A lot more credibility to the company, uh, you know, a well-spoken uh, British female voice uh, is is very believable. Mm, mm. On one particular clip, there was a a gentleman who was uh, a target. I'd, I'd I'd call him who was smart enough to pick up on um, the English scammer, uh, and he started asking him, "How did you get my details? How do you know all this information? How do you get my phone number?" Uh, he obviously had an investment uh, in the stock market to some degree. He knew he knew all about that. So where did the scammer get that kind of detail from? Well, these scammers are, uh, are very, very good at mining data and they actually buy, some of them buy records. They, they pay big money, tens of thousands of dollars for, for vetted lists of investors, that is people who have already invested. They get those lists again from dodgy brokers or somebody that may have worked in the business, but they also, some of the bigger operations actually run their own call centres and they had what they call trade qualifying or telephone qualifying, a TQ room, uh, which is a, a room full of people, uh, full of usually um, young workers, uh, Filipino or, or usually Filipinos because the Philippines, uh, they speak very good English and they will actually ring people cold and ask them some questions about whether or not they invest and if we could send some free information to you. So, of course, you know, people say, well, yes, you, you can send me some free information, no problems, and they end up sending all this information about the stock market, 
and that lures the person into making their first deal with this particular company. Here's another scammer calling himself Alex. He's effectively deflecting a female victim's request to see some money transferred into her account. The important thing is, has that been done? We're in this stage now where it's just a question of we're literally waiting for the final days. You don't have to do any more paperwork. All I've got to do is just keep following up and make sure that everything is done at their end, which I can't see any reason why it wouldn't. So in this stage, I'm, I'm a lot more relaxed. You can probably hear that in my voice. Yeah. So in that sense, you should be too. So I think we've done enough. So funds are now going to hit the account and we'll be able to close you out and get you liquid again, yeah? So these audio clips are obviously a part of IFW investigations um, and they can be released to the public for the first time. Uh, they, they raise awareness, don't they? I mean, they're, they're a fascinating insight, aren't they? Absolutely. We, we, we collect uh, recordings of uh, most of the operations that we undertake we collect recordings uh, some of them uh, can be used uh, others can't uh, of course some of the ones that are uh, uh, currently the subject of uh, operations uh, can't be used but there are a lot that we've collected over the years that uh, that can be uh, now played publicly and we believe that the public should hear these and should uh, you know get a, get a taste of, of exactly the sort of language that these guys use and just how clever they are at uh, at lying and and creating a, an amazing you know, deception when it comes to these uh, these so-called uh, stock and share deals that they offer. And just to to, to reiterate and emphasise, really, that the, they, they are talking about fictitious investments. There are no shares. There are certainly the, the companies they talk about certainly may be publicly listed, but the investments they are talking about just don't exist. That's correct. What they do, they, they actually pick uh, a real company usually and they will research this quite extensively and they, they get a lot of information from uh, from industry sources. They're, they're very well connected uh, in, in the uh, share market business with, with real brokers. A lot of them come from former brokerage firms and they go onto the dark side and they start doing this type of work. So they know their stuff. They really know their stuff. And what they do is they purport to have purchased large amounts of shares at a wholesale price and, and then they will offer these shares out uh, you know, for for, for ten ten dollars a share cheaper than what uh, what one of the what the actual company is selling them for, and uh, and they'll come up with this this deal that's so so good and so lucrative that people get sucked into buying a few shares. A lot of them have backgrounds in the finance sector. They have legitimate jobs, and you know, by all accounts, working in the finance sector pays very well. Why do they go to the dark side to this this area of criminality? Well, for various reasons. I mean, quite often they may may have been fired from a major brokerage firm. They might have been fired for bad behaviour, or you know, they, they could have been fired for drug use, or they could have been fired for some other some other uh, reason. And and they can no longer work in the industry. So they have this amazing experience, but they no longer have the uh, you know the, the clean record to work in the business. So they then get uh, get seduced into uh, into working for these operations in. In Southeast Asia, um, it's pitched to them by the, the masterminds of these gangs uh, as being a very lucrative, uh, risk-free type of uh, position based in Southeast Asia. And some of them in the beginning actually believe they're applying with real brokerage firms based in the Philippines or based in Thailand. Uh, and then they only discover once they've gone through the whole interview process uh, and once they've actually started in working for these companies that, it, that it's actually a scam, but they then just go along with it and become one of the scammers. Stop, stop, stop. Stay there, stay there. <laughs>
This should make all Australians very happy. Professional con men undone by their own arrogance and greed. Gentlemen, scamming a few Aussies, huh? But the criminals don't always get away with it. IFW chairman Ken Gamble is a real thorn in their side. Australia's 60 Minutes TV program recently won a media award for a story they produced that showcased 32 arrests following an IFW joint investigation with Homeland Security Investigations. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, we've got syndicates that we're watching at the moment that are making millions of dollars a month, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year in some cases, and and that's only one group. So, so we're, we're talking a, a multi-billion dollar industry, um, and then you've got your trading platforms, your fraudulent trading platforms. A lot of these have come out of Israel. A lot of the Israeli groups uh, are behind these trading platforms and they are also making billions of dollars. Uh, One one raid in the Philippines last year uh, found that the group were making one million US dollars per day in income uh, and they had a thousand employees. I mean this is a huge operation and it just goes to show that the amount of money Uh, in this uh, type of illegal industry. Before Brett knew it, his head was swirling with misinformation. The lies were coming thick and fast. He was transferring a million dollars at a time. The scammers were going in for the kill and every trick was on the table. They'd even told him one of their investment brokers was dying of cancer. NBR people rang me up at that point and said, you know, for you to get your money, you've got to pay 100,000 in tax to get it out of the country. So they're still coming for more money? Still, still, coming for more, mm. still coming for more money. And then one, this guy called Jack Burns had taken over by that point. And I was mm. sending over a million dollars at, at once, you know. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, that still makes me feel sick right now saying it, but it's the truth. Give me an idea of the time frame here from, say, you know, day one when you first make contact, then you're into the three, the three different companies and then there's different names and the... Fabrication uh, with with the terminal illness. What, what are we talking about? A three to six month period, a year long period. What, what are we looking at? Yeah, I, I, well, I give it around about eight months. So November, okay. I hopped in the bed with MBR, and then in May of that year, I hopped in the bed with Twin Rivers and FI. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it took from like the MBR one was a lot, a lot more of a slow burner, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, in regards to how the other two could happen, the other two were just doing some big deals on some big shares. You know, the other one was a the the first one was more. You know, starting off slow and then building and building and building that portfolio. What was the the total sum of money that they got you for? Throughout all three of them. All three of them. All the whole. You know, the the, the financial damage across the board. What was it? Nine point seven million. Wow, nine point seven million. That's um that's making me shiver to be honest. Um, and, yeah. And that's a that's a very cruel thing to do to someone who's obviously worked hard all his life, a family man. Can I ask about the emotional impact? And I and I'll talk about you know it's not just the financial impact here, but walk me through you know the emotions you were going through um, when you realised that the money was gone, it was never going to come back, and you'd you'd effectively <coughs> been played for a period of time. Mate, I can't I can't explain it to you, mate. I think mm. I nearly had a nervous breakdown, the the regret of letting my wife down, and sort of. You know, until that point, all that stuff had gone pretty well. But, you know, after being together for 20 years, I was just doing my thing. I didn't really think I was letting her down. But, you know, it came back to, you know, it was definitely a, like, you know, I really let her down and wasn't totally honest with what I was doing. And and not that I was trying to do the wrong thing. I was trying to have a win, yeah? Yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of regret, 
a lot of a lot of shame for my family, a lot of like um, just uh, what what happened, just what, what happened in la- that last what happened, you know, like mm. I just it all became a little bit. Um, and I started drinking a lot too, just to sort of numb that sort of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just a lot of stuff that we built up over a long time. It just vanished really quickly. And so I think our listeners would want to know that, uh, and also, you know, appreciate the fact you're talking to us, but you know, things are moving forward with you and this investigation will go on in the background and hopefully you'll track them down. Um, whether or not you get your money back is obviously going to be debatable, but it'd be nice to know that, that, that life's on the right path for you at the moment. Oh, look, definitely, mate. You know, it's like, you know, time heals, I suppose, everything in a way. And, um, look, I'm definitely coming back, mate. I've, uh, you know, my priorities have changed. I'm a different person, for sure. Mm. Um, and um, look, at the end of the day, mate, I'm just stoked my wife didn't leave me. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's a, still, a, a stoic woman, as they say. Yeah, and, you know, got a beautiful house, beautiful kids, and... Um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as it hurts, it is just money, and um, you can't take it with you. Mm. Um, but in saying that too, it would be nice to uh, see these people get caught and not do it to other people. If you recognise any of the techniques you've been listening to or think you've been scammed, reach out to your local authority or contact IFW through the website at ifwglobal.com. This has been a podcast production for IFW Global.